My name is Keith Beavers, and I believe that cats still secretly rule the internet. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 10 of Vine Pair's Wine 101 podcast. My name is Keith Beavers. I'm the tasting director of Vine Pair. How are you guys doing today? It's an age-old question. No, seriously, it's an age-old, or it's an old age. It's a question about age, okay? We're talking about how wines age. What wines age? Do all wines age? Do only some wine? What, what's up with the wine aging thing? Can we talk about it, please? This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Ian J. Gallo Winery. At ENJ Gallo Winery, we exist to serve life's most joyful and memorable moments. From our humble beginnings, and yo, it was humble, like a house in a field in Modesto, California. The hallmark of our company has been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine for all consumers to enjoy. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, or making everyday sparkle with Lamarca Prosecco, or continuing a legacy with Louis Martini and Napa. And guys, that is a legacy. We'll get into it at some point. We are here to welcome new consumers into our category, make it easier to enjoy wines, and capture attention in the moments that matter. Cheers, and all the best. You know when you hear that thing like, aging like a fine wine, you know, there's all kinds of jokes and little memes about that. But do you notice the term is aging like a fine wine? Because in the wine world, what we consider wines that is that are aging or age-worthy, we consider that fine wine. And I don't like to use that term because I think wine is for everybody. It doesn't matter the price, where it's made, how it's made, it's wine. And if you dig it, you dig it, it doesn't matter. So what does this mean, aging? And what, 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 how does this work? And what wines do age and what wines don't? Is it only fine wines? The way to really look at it is all wines do something in the bottle over time. There are certain wines that are made or built to do something in a bottle over a long period of time. And that something will change the wine into something else and refine the wine and give the wine a third or fourth layer of something. And these somethings are perceived softer textures. The aromas are different. Some people call them more sophisticated aromas. I don't understand that. But it's just there's a refinement to the wine. The wine kind of focuses itself. It's almost like it's, it's aging, you know? I mean, it's like a young kid and then it grows and it matures into something a little more subtle. That's just what happens in wine. But none of this could happen if it wasn't for the results of the fermentation process, meaning there is, wine is a very acidic environment and it has alcohol in it. And primarily because of these two things, mostly the acidity, that makes wine one of the most unique drinks on the planet or in the galaxy. Because it is, if, because of that acidic environment, bacteria that might spoil the wine cannot survive. Therefore, what's in the wine reacts to each other and continues to react with each other, not spoiling because of this. Of course, it has to be a really well-made wine. But that, you, you don't get that in, place, in things like beer. Beer does not age like wine. There are people that are trying to make beer that ages, but I believe, and I talked to one of my colleagues, Kat Walensky, who's the beer writer for Vine Pair, she told me that there's about a two to three year aging in beer. 
because what happens is there's such little acidity in the beer environment that it is a kind of breeding ground for bacteria. Wine doesn't have that. This is one of the reasons why wine has been a healthy drink for people over since antiquity. There were actually times in, in the history where wine was preferred over water because water was dangerous for you. It's kind of amazing stuff. And what's really trippy and nature-y and science-y is that the bacteria that can survive in this acidic environment are the important bacteria groups that help add complexity to a resulting wine. What? It's crazy. Remember in the white wine episode, we talked about lactic acid bacteria that attacks malic acid and converts it to lactic acid, softening the wine. That's a bacteria that can hang out in acid of a wine. The other awesome bacteria that we're going to talk about more of when we get to the decanting episode is called Acetobacter. This is a bacteria that converts ethanol or alcohol into vinegar. Yeah, it can spoil a wine. And we're going to talk a lot about that further on, but it is it thrives in oxygen. So the more you deprive a wine of oxygen, the longer this bacteria can hang out. And if not exposed to too much oxygen... This is one of the elements that actually help a wine age and change into something beautiful. Because there is something just spectacular about a wine that ages. And the wild thing is, we don't know much about what goes on in that bottle while it's aging. There are things that we understand, but there's a lot that science, we, I don't, there's a lot that science doesn't understand. And that's kind of beautiful. There's a mystery in wine, and I think there always will be because it's such a beautiful, deep kind of science. And this idea of aging wine has been around since antiquity. The Greeks were definitely known for their wine. The Romans, though, were really, really known for their wine and the aging of the wine because it was, it was very well documented. There was a wine from Campania called Flanarian wine that was popular throughout the Roman Empire. And it was said that it took 18 to 20 years for it to reach its peak, which we'll talk about in a second, a peak. But that's how long it's been around. And then the Middle Ages, everything got a little, when the fall of the Roman Empire happened, things got a little bit weird. It took monks to really figure out, get back into the aging thing. And it wasn't until the 17th century where corks and bottles became the norm that the English started bottling their wines, the clarets from Bordeaux and Port, and laying them down. And they kind of ushered in and pioneered the whole wine aging and bottle thing. Also, winemakers didn't have the wherewithal to hold on to their own inventory for vintage after vintage. So wine merchants were also kind of part of the pioneering effort to sort of buy wine and hold on to it for a long time, or however long time. And that's kind of how the whole aging thing became part of our wine trade consciousness. But today, in this modern wine world, one thing we have to understand, wine lovers, and this will get rid of a lot of stress for everybody who's stressing out about this, the vast majority of wine on our market is meant to be consumed in the first two to three years. Most of the wine you drink is meant to be consumed now. And based on the large, large, astronomical, crazy amount of wine that there is on our market, I would actually say that age-worthy wine is a subgroup of the vast majority of wines. Because the wine that we enjoy on a Tuesday night, that's just like all over the world we do that. But there are certain wines out there like Bordeaux, Burgundy, Chianti, stuff like that. Wines that not only are they made with such care and precision that they are built to age, but the way in which they're made, sometimes they're held 
for periods of time before they're released onto the market, and sometimes they're made in lower yields, therefore they're more expensive. So wines that age longer <laughs> are more expensive than your everyday wine for a reason. Remember when we were talking about wine labels and how to decode wine labels, and the more information you see on a wine label, the closer it gets to a site? That's when you're really starting to see wines that are have age-worthy qualities about them. Wines like box wine, branded wine, uh, most pink wine, wine released within the first six months of harvest, like a Beaujolais Nouveau, these wines are not meant to age. They're meant to be consumed now. And that's just a short list. Also, Winemakers that make age-worthy wine will often have wines that are just more playful for them, wines that are not age-worthy so they can actually make more money while those wines are aging. <laughs> now, the thing is, wine is, you know, the, wine is, it's science, it's nature. And I think the, be the beauty and the romance of wine, I think that's included with it. And what's really amazing about this natural phenomenon called wine that we have is the age-worthy wines out there coming from all different parts of the world all age at different times everything it's not there's not one rule and the understand like the the what we understand again we what science understands and winemakers understand about what happens in that bottle is not as as much as you would think there's mystery in that aging process we know some things but not all one thing that is known is red wines age longer than white wines just because of the sheer amount of organic material in the red wine. And the bigger the blend, the more phenolics, the more acidity, the more uh, alcohol, the more tannin, all those things inhibit the, the, the pace at which a wine will age. Another thing that is known is that as this wine exists in a bottle, all those organic, what we call constituents, interact with each other. And as they do so, they polymerize or hydrolysize, and they are extracted out of the liquid into the, as a solid material in the wine, and they gain weight and fall to the bottom. The wine is literally fining itself. For some red wine, this can happen slowly over 30 years. Sometimes 10 years, sometimes 15. It doesn't, we don't, it doesn't, it depends on the wine. And the only reason why certain areas of the world know how long a wine can age is because of experience and watching it over time and actually sampling a bunch of it to see where it hits its peak. Again, peak. I'm going to talk about that in a second. And if there are some things that are unknown yet still about red wine aging, there's even less known about white wine aging. That white wine aging, white wine is crazy, guys. It's crazy. I mean, it doesn't have the, the phenolic junk of a red wine. It doesn't have the, all that material so that the oxygen can't, because what happens with all that material is oxygen just can't break this wine down and for a while. And that's really, you know, that's kind of part of how red wine ages. But white wine has, doesn't have any barriers. It's kind of like exposed, <laughs> if you will. So as white wine ages, it kind of darkens a little bit. And what's crazy is like a wine like Riesling, which is kind of low in acid, can age for up to 20, 25 years. But a Chardonnay, which is higher acid, doesn't age as long as a Riesling. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I, I don't know, there's some deep science there that, to get into, but it's just a really wild thing. And that's why wine is so fun, is because it's unpredictable in a way. And... 
speaking of unpredictability, we were t- I keep I mentioned this word peak. So what happens is like we're talking about, a wine is always changing inside, right? And what's happening inside that wine, we don't really know everything. But one thing that is known is that sort of refinement. It's taking its organic material and it's kind of shedding itself. And when that happens, certain things detach from things like glucose and dry out these flavor compounds inside the wine, deprive them of of glucose. And what that's a sugar. So what happens is that they lose some sweetness. And what's left is what we think is like this, the, the, the more quote-unquote sophisticated aromas are the aromas that exist in the flavor compound before it detaches from the sugar. Oh my God, that was science. And if that was all very confusing, it gets, what it comes down to is this. As a wine that's meant to age does what it does in a bottle, it gets to a certain point that it's perfect. The aromas are perfect. The acidity is perfect. The tannin is just right. Everything about the wine when you sip it is a transcending experience. That is what the winemaker calls the peak. And winemakers only know this because of all the wines they've consumed since they've been winemakers. There is no hard and fast rule. There's no formula to say the wine peaks here at this date, this time. This goes for white wine, for red wine, for orange wine, and for sparkling wine. And I think one of the most important things to think about when we're thinking about what wines age and what wines don't age is we have to get rid of this stigma of sophistication. Because just because wine ages doesn't mean it's better than another wine. There are wines made in age-worthy wine-making regions that are not as good as a Tuesday night quaffable chilled red wine that you got for $15. It just, there's, it doesn't matter. Wine is for you, and it's made, and you get to choose what you want. You want to have an organic wine tonight? Great. You, don't want, you want to have a conventional wine tonight? Great. You want to have a wine that's been aging for 10 years? Awesome. You want to have wine that was released six months after harvest? Great. We just have options, and it's really awesome. All we have is we have some wines that age and some wines that don't. We have a little bit of wines that age, I should say, and we have a lot of wines that don't. So this whole idea of aging wine is beautiful, and it's science, and it's nature, and it's humans making something amazing, and just like really a lot of work goes into these wines, and they can really change your life. You have an amazing age-worthy wine and see where a wine, this amazing natural phenomenon change and like, oh my God, like let's say you, you buy a, if you buy a case of, of something and you taste it one bottle every year, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I understand how wine is aging. But age-worthy wine is just an option to have. It's not, a, it's not like a guarantee of awesomeness and it's not a guarantee of like status. It's just a wine that ages, that's it. And it's just an option among all the other wines you have for your, on your journey. And to find the age-worthy wines that are awesome for you and your preference, because you know you may not like every age-worthy wine out there, I always come back to this, and I know I said this earlier, I'm gonna keep coming back to this, trust the people you buy wine from. Ask them questions. Get, like, do, is this an age, I want an age-worthy wine, because when you're buying wines that are aged, they're gonna be a little more expensive, so always ask questions, nothing is stupid, Ask whatever you want because you're going to spend a little bit more and you want to enjoy this thing. And when we talk about decanting, we'll get a little bit further into that part. But 
Trust your wine merchant. If you don't, then find somebody that does, that you just know to get the advice you need to buy the age-worthy wines that you want, that you know you might like. So now you got some awesome info in your brain. You know that you just have options. You walk into a wine shop, you have options. You want a Tuesday night wine or do you want an age-worthy wine? You know the questions to ask, you know what you're looking for, and then it's all part of your wine journey. Righteous man. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, digging what I'm saying, go ahead and give me a rating on iTunes or maybe even tell a friend to subscribe or maybe you could just subscribe. That'd be cool. Or even, you know, go if you like to type, go ahead and give me a review. Say Keith knows some stuff. That'd be cool. All this stuff gets the podcast up there so everybody can learn about wine. Check me out on Instagram. It's at VinePairKeith. I do all my stuff and stories. And also, you've got to follow VinePair on Instagram, which is at Vine Pear. And don't forget to listen to the Vine Pear podcast, which is hosted by Erica, Adam, and Zach. It's a great deep dive into drinks culture every week. Now for some credits. How about that? Wine 101 is recorded and produced by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pear headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mellon. And I also want to thank Daniel Grinberg for making the most legit Wine 101 logo. And I gotta thank Darby Seaside for making this amazing song. I mean, listen to this epic stuff. And finally, I wanna thank the Vine Pear staff for helping me learn more every day. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by E&J Gallo Winery. At E&J Gallo Winery, we exist to serve life's most joyful and memorable moments. From our humble beginnings, the hallmark of our company has been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine for all consumers to enjoy. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with LaMarca Prosecco, or continuing a legacy with Louis Martini in Napa, we're here to welcome new customers into our category, make it easier to enjoy our wines, and capture attention in the moments that matter. Cheers, and all the best.